Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence in this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is your unique relationship with God. So the most important thing you can do to have a better relationship with God is to spend time every day, if possible, reading the Bible, praying, and asking God to show you the truth about himself and the truth about you. In Matthew 10, 29 through 31, Jesus tells his disciples that the very hairs on their heads are numbered and that God knows each one of them by name. This verse is often interpreted to mean that every individual is unique and special in the eyes of God. So leading up to this passage, Jesus warned the disciples that the people of this world would treat them just like they treated him but they were not to fear the people of this world. Instead, they were to boldly proclaim to the world the message that Jesus would give them. In like manner, believers who live today should not be surprised if people are uncomfortable with us and our message, or even hostile. Don't be afraid of the reactions of the people of this world. Be faithful to the one who holds your life in his hand. Be faithful to proclaim the good news to the world that is living in darkness. There is nothing that happens in this world that God does not know about, whether it is death of the smallest bird or the number of hairs on your head. God knows about it, and more, he cares about it. So, if God cares about the smallest bird, how much more does he care about you? You are of great value to him, not because you are anything, but because Christ died for you, and because he cares for you. You can be faithful to him without fear of this world. And you are a child of God. Don't be afraid. You are of great value to him. So Rick Warren writes, God calls you to a relationship with him. So the most important calling on your life isn't something you do. Your most important calling isn't to a role. It's not to regulations, rules, or rituals. It's not even to a religion. Your first call, above all else, is to a relationship with God. Romans 1, 7 says, I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. God wants you to be part of his family. He wants you to be his child. The most important thing that will ever happen to you isn't something you'll do. It's something God will do. He'll call you his child. He wants you to know him and love him and be beloved son or daughter. The Bible says it like this. What an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us, that we would be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are, from 1 John 3, 1. As you follow God, you don't have to check off all the things you think you should do with your life. Focus on your relationship with God, and He will not only reveal your unique calling, He will also show you how to do what He wants you to do. So we just talked about why it's important to have a relationship with God and the purpose of your life so that God can use you while you're here on earth. The life is a preparation for eternity. But what does that mean in practical terms? How do you use your life here to prepare for eternity? First, you get to know Jesus Christ like we've talked about. The Bible says to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. All they needed to do was trust him to save them out of John 1.12. Notice that not everybody is a child of God, just those who receive him into their lives. God wants you to establish a relationship with him by trusting in him. 
You grow a relationship with God the same way you grow any relationship, through time and conversation. For example, if I want to grow my relationship with my wife Lolita, what do I have to do? First, I have to spend time with her. I have to show her that I'm invested in getting to know her by making time for her and making the time count. You cannot have a relationship with someone you never spend any time with. That's the same way you develop a relationship with God. You make time in your schedule for Him. One way to make this the most important part of your day is through a daily quiet time. You get alone with God and worship Him and learn from Him. You spend regular, significant time with Him. The second thing you can do to have a relationship is to talk. In a relationship with God, this means prayer. There are many ways to be more intentional about your prayer life. Maybe you need to start a prayer journal of requests and answered prayer. You can make a prayer card using scripture and put it on your bathroom mirror, on your desk at work, or your phone, so that you are reminded to pray God's word. Or maybe your family needs to have a set time of prayer together each day. Whatever it is you need to do to increase your conversation with God, you need to do it. You will never regret investing your time, your energy, and your life in getting to know God better. Take the first step in getting ready to be used by God by spending time with Him and talking to Him today. So next, I'd like to read you a letter from God to you. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I'm familiar with your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you even before I planned creation. You were not a mistake. All your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but I am the complete expression of love, and it is my desire to lavish my love on you. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider, and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are as countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son, Jesus. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. 
Jesus died so that you could be reconciled. His death was an ul- the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love so that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been your father and will always be your father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad, almighty God. So next, I want to introduce the song, He Knows My Name by Tommy Walker. And here it is.
the forgotten says Let the hurt me face Hey, what a great song by Tommy Walker. And here's what Tommy said regarding this song. He said, I originally wrote this song in 1996 to accompany my pastor's Mark Pickerel sermon with the same name. I'm so humbled and grateful that God has chosen to use it as one of his instruments to reveal the Father's love and bring his healing. One of the greatest truths of Christian faith is that the God of the Bible is a personal God who knows us and makes himself known. At the core of who we are, more than anything else, we long to be known and loved, and that's exactly what we are. Through Jesus Christ, God has provided the way for us to enjoy this personal relationship with Him. Lord, I pray that you will touch people on the deepest level through this song. Remind each of us that we are never forgotten, unwanted, or unloved no matter who we are, who has rejected us, or what we have done. Amen. So from 1 John 3, 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. From John 10, 3, He calls us his own sheep by name and leads them out. And Isaiah 43, 1, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. Jeremiah 1, 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. From Psalm 139.17, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God, they cannot be numbered. Psalm 56.8, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. In Exodus 33.17, The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. So I just watched It's a Wonderful Life for the most recent time of a number of greater than I care to admit. Suffice to say, I'm a fan. I've always been drawn to the redemptive message on the film with the additional appeal of of wondering what life would be like if I had not been born. This time, however, the kingdom jumped out and grabbed me. If you are unfamiliar with this story, The main character, George Bailey, faces a financial crisis at his business and contemplates suicide. His guardian angel intervenes and grants him a wish to never have been born. He then experiences how the lives of so many people change because he was not in their lives. He finally is restored to his life with a renewed sense of what really is important. The movie holds so many kingdom moments that it would take a long discussion to touch them all. So I will address just the critical moment of George's restoration and the events that follow. When George prays to be restored to the life he knows he is supposed to live, the angel acts on his prayer and restores him. From that moment forward, George sees the world completely differently. He finds joy in everyone and everything, even a loose newel post. The last scene shows the entire community joining to support George and celebrate their common joy in sharing life in good that prevails over evil. When we pray to be saved and received by Christ into his kingdom, we are blessed with the capability of seeing and experiencing life about us as we were born to see it. Just as George revealed in the simplest things of his new life, We too can find kingdom joy in small things and experiences all about us. If we surrender to Christ and ask him to show us, 
George's greatest joy comes from seeing his family and his community in a way we could not have imagined through eyes newly open to that life. We can experience and are tended to experience similar joy through life in the community of Christians, otherwise known as the kingdom. That can happen, however, only if we regularly seek out, worship with, and actively participate with other Christians. The kingdom of God is not a passive thing. We must first surrender to it, then experience it most often through relationships. You symbolically hold the kingdom each time you grasp the hand of another in the love of Christ. If you do not yet experience life in the kingdom, do as George did and pray to be restored to the life you were intended to live. You will find it's a wonderful kingdom life. So what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Oh, that all believers would make it a priority to grow in answering that question that they would join those in church history who have gone deepest in their relationship with God. I'll mention John Owen as an example. He has written a book called Communion with God, which is another old-fashioned way of saying relationship with God. What a relationship with God means is that we are receiving communication from God about himself, both through his word and through history. He comes to us in Jesus Christ, in his teaching, in his cross, in his apostles, through his word, and he is speaking to us. And his speaking is made vital to us by the present presence of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. That's half the relationship. He takes the initiative. We receive his communication and by the Spirit are made alive to them. We, we see them coming his communication of himself, his character, and his work on our behalf, and we are awakened to them. We are made to admire them, to delight in them, and to be happy, hopeful, and encouraged. Then we return to him, likewise, through the word, by the Spirit, and through the name of Jesus Christ, like prayers, acts of gratitude, resolutions to fight the fight of faith, and acts of obedience. The result is that our lives are going Godward, while his life toward us is coming manward. That's the relationship. A relationship with God happens most fundamentally by the Spirit through the Word. Don't try to run away from the Bible to find a relationship with God in the woods or in some kind of aesthetic encounter with nature or with a great piece of art. Those are all supplementary. Yes, the heavens are telling the glory of God, God does use great art and great poetry to awaken us, but if we don't center on the Bible where he is speaking authoritatively, then our relationship will become distorted by error and sin. So let the Bible be the place where God meets you and speaks to you, and let the Bible be the place where you speak back to him. The relationship is in this communion, him to us and us to him. And it happens all throughout the day. We remind ourselves when we get discouraged, don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed, fear not, I'll be with you wherever you go. You remember those words and call them to mind because they are from a promise in the Bible. Then you say, thank you, Lord, I'll take this next step of obedience. And at that moment, a relationship has been enjoyed and a communion has been experienced. And that's how you walk moment by moment with God through this life. So just remember, there is only one you, and there is only one unique relationship that God can have with you. Nobody else is like you. You are like a snowflake or a fingerprint. 
You are unique, and God values that relationship so greatly that he sent his son down to die for it. He sent his son down to die for your unique relationship with him. So I'm going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham on True Happiness is Found in God. And here it is. I've seen men spend their lifetime making money, and I know some of the richest men in America. And I know how miserable some of them are. I've seen men strive all their lives to attain political power. And they get political power. They get the office they were seeking. But it doesn't bring the peace and the joy and the happiness and the fulfillment they thought it would. But here's an interesting thing. I've never seen a person give their lives to Jesus Christ sincerely, but what they didn't find, what they were looking for. He satisfies the deepest longings of our hearts and our lives. I wonder how many more sermons it would take to win you to Christ. How many more warnings will God have to give you? How many more graves will have to be dug? How many more wars will have to be fought? How many more earthquakes or tornadoes and floods will have to come before you make your decision? The thief on the cross took that one moment and said, Lord, remember me. And in that moment, Jesus said, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. That quick, you can make your decision and commitment. And remember, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. You're sinful, you're separated from God by sin. And some of the results of this sin are worry and irritability and lack of purpose in life, as well as some of the gross, immoral sins that we read about. God has provided the cross as a means for you to be forgiven of sin. But you must individually receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You! And you alone, in the quiet arena of your heart, will have to make that decision. Nowhere in the scripture does it teach that you are to search and pursue happiness. You find happiness as you do your duty. You find happiness as you lead a disciplined life before God. You'll have periods of happiness. But God nowhere promises happiness is to be a goal in life. It's not a goal. Our goal is to obey God. Our goal is to do the will of God. Our goal is to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we move along, we will pick up happiness here and there along the way. If you sense a longing for God, a desire to change and be a new person, that's God speaking to your heart. And as you respond, he will give you the ability and the power to change because he has to do the changing. To delay makes the right decision harder. And indecision in itself is a choice. You decide tonight that you're going to wait till some other time. That's a choice. Away from God. And your heart gets harder, the Bible says. And the next time you have an opportunity to come to Christ, your heart may not be as ready as it is tonight. He can fill that cosmic void in your heart because that void in your heart is made because you're made in the image of God and without God there's a void there that only God can fill nothing else can fill it marriage can't fill it drugs can't fill it sex can't fill it alcohol can't fill it 
Friendships can't fill it. The church even can't fill it. Relig religion can't fill it. But the person of Jesus Christ can fill it and can give you a brand new life from tonight on if you're willing to accept the challenge of Christ who loved you so much that he died on the cross and rose again and is alive tonight ready to come into your heart and into your life. Now you can't change your past but you can determine your destiny by deciding for Christ. But Christ can change your past. He died on the cross so that all the sins you've ever committed, all the things you've ever done wrong are forgiven. What do you have to do? You have to repent of your sins. That means to be willing to change your way of living. You may have no power to do it. You may not have power to give up some of those habits you know are wrong. You may not have power to fall in love with your wife again. You may not have power to change your whole life that you know needs to be changed. But if you surrender to Christ, he'll give you the power. You say, well, Billy, I don't know what else to do. I've been baptized, I joined the church and so forth, but I don't really have peace and joy and power in my life, all that you're talking about. How do I get it? Jesus Christ said, I am the way. Come to Christ. He will give you a new strength and a new power and a new joy and a new peace and a purpose for living. Every person that ever lived has to make the same choice. It's either the world and its pleasures and its gods or it's Christ. Which is it for you? Who are you choosing? Who are you voting for? Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Oh yes, there's pleasure in sin for a short time. But it's soon over. The hangover comes. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's going to be there. Choose Christ. And there'll never be a hangover except joy and peace. And it's an urgent decision because to delay makes the right decision harder. Indecision in itself is a choice. Not to decide is to decide not to. If you have a ticket for a flight to Atlanta tonight and can't decide whether to go or not, if you wait past the departure time, the choice will have been made. The plane will take off without you. Decisions are made whether we make them or not. Time decides if you will not. And time always decides against you. There's a lonely arena in the depths of your heart where the greatest battle of life must be fought alone. That's your decision about Christ. Your parents can't make it for you. The church can't make it for you. Your friends can't make it for you. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend can't make it for you. You have to make it yourself. And you must decide tonight. There are hundreds of people here tonight that have to decide tonight. And your decision tonight, yes or no, will decide where you'll be a hundred years from now. If you're not sure that you're ready to meet God, if you're not sure you're going to heaven and you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, you come and make sure tonight. I believe that none of you are here by accident tonight. I believe that you're here on this particular night because this is the night that you are to meet God in a new way and receive him into your heart. So that does bring an end of our episode today. And my closing prayer is always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. 
So next week's episode is going to be on Satan Has No Power Over You. Hey, you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Light for free. I hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week. 